the good relationships that I have, I would not be successful without them. I have a great relationship with my retirement consultant. I have a great relationship with my retirement record keeper, my actuary consultant that acts as my consultant for my medical plans. I would not be able to be where I am in this success in this role without them. I'm Adam Connors from NetworkWise and your host of Who's Who in HR. Ask any successful CEO about the most important aspect of their company and they'll inevitably answer their people. And who is it that's responsible for their people? It's human resources. In fact, HR is the backbone of any elite organization. They attract, develop, and engage top talent, progress culture, secure and manage important benefit programs, make sure you're appropriately paid, protect the best interest of each employee and the company, and so much more that quite frankly often gets taken for granted. On Who's Who in HR, I'll have in-depth discussions with well-known human resource leaders who offer insights into who they are, how they got there, and the areas they support. During our conversation, these leaders will reveal beneficial industry advice and innovative trends in the HR space that's contributing to keeping the world's most successful companies at the top of their game. My next guest on this episode is Tracy Tillery, the Senior Director of Total Rewards for a Hospital Network. She brings a high level of enthusiasm to her job and refuses to take no for an answer. Let's dive right in. Tracy Tillery, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm great. How are you? You sound great. Are you always this peppy? I am. <laughs> you are. Is that uh, due to coffee or is that uh, that's how we find you 24-7? It's probably a little bit of both. <laughs> how many cups of coffee are you doing a day? Probably about four. Four? Yeah. Every day? Yeah, but I have to admit, it's the large cups of coffee, so it's probably a lot more than four. Dunkin' Donuts, Starbucks? No, so I really like Zabar's coffee from the city. Oh, where do you get that? So I order it online. It's a guilty pleasure. All right, that works. (laughs) That's a beautiful thing. Well, I appreciate you uh, carving out some time. You ready to rock and roll? I am. All right, good stuff. Well, I guess, how many cups deep are you already? So we're recording, for those that don't know, we're recording. It's uh, almost 9 (laughs) a.m. So I've had two large cups already today. Okay. Do you have this kind of energy when you wake up or you need the coffee to fuel you? So I do not have this energy when I wake up. I wake up probably about 5 a.m. every day. And no, it's, it's not like this the minute I wake up. I need the coffee. Gotcha. Have you always been a morning person? Yes. Yes, I have. Okay. All right. So let's, let's get right. Let's start off a little bit of rapid fire questions. I want to give the audience an opportunity to get a feel for your personality, although it's already kind of shining through, but talk to me, are you uh, an introvert an extrovert or what some people might call like in between that centrovert slash uh, ambivert? I would say an extrovert. Yeah. I'm not surprised. What's your favorite place to get pizza? Oh, so there's this place in The Bronx, actually, Sal's, they have the best Sicilian slice of pizza I have ever had in my life. Mm, How'd you find it? So my husband, actually, his family is from down in the Bronx. And one day we just, we went there and it was like the best pizza ever. And I would go back every day if I did not live an hour away. Gotcha. All right. But it's worth it. 
it's worth everything. <laughs> Great. When we're offline, I'm going to have to look this up. What do you do to stay in shape? And when I say stay in shape, I don't just mean physically. Mentally is uh, equally as important, if not more. So for physically, I like to Peloton. And for mentally, I read as much as I can. And again, that's kind of how I do it. And I try and get into as much conversation. I try and learn as much as I can every day. Mm. Anything in particular that you've read recently that you think is worthy of sharing with the audience? So I actually read a book by Brene Brown, Dare to Lead. I think my wife, she's in a book club, and I think either uh, she's read that or that's on the queue. So it sounds familiar. It's very good. It is yeah. very good. Is, is that the typical good. genre that you're uh, reading? No, I think I, I kind of dabble in everything, but and I take recommendations from anybody. Like, this is a good book, read it, you know, but I particularly read this one because I I really like to, you know, how I can better, you know, in my field and how I can lead a team better and what I can do to overall better myself in my professional career. Mm -hmm. I'm going to take that. Excellent. I like that. Do you have any habits, good or bad, that you can share with us? Yes. So, and everyone, (laughs) yeah, I think everyone knows this about me. I don't like the word no hate the word no. And that's good and bad. So if the answer is no, if I'm told no by, you know, for good or bad, for whatever reason, I'm always going to find a way to change that to a yes. And it could be anything. It could be anything at all. And I want to change that to a yes. And as well as in my professional career, if someone comes to me and I, in the total reward space and they, you know, the immediate answer is no, I'm going to find a way to make that a yes. Because I want everyone to have a good experience and I want everyone to feel good about it. I want a white glove experience for all of my employees. That's great. Where did that come from? Is that innate or is that something that you learned? And obviously, I'm assuming it's something that you've worked on. So what do you do to get past the no? So it's been with me forever. So I think it's just ingrained. And as I was, you know, in my professional career and when I started out here in this corporation probably about eight years ago, one of my supervisors said, I'm going to tell you something. It's never no. I'm like, I, I know that. <laughs> uh, I, I feel you. So it was great. So then it was totally ingrained forever in my head. But so here in the, in the total reward space, there are a lot of regulations. We have ERISA plans. So it's really hard sometimes to draw the line at what you can make a no into a yes. But mm. if you're guiding down the right path of how you make it a yes, everyone's happy and you, you know that you're in the right guideline because you can follow it. So I think understanding that you can put yourself in someone else's shoes, but also staying within the guidelines to make sure that you're not violating any laws is exactly where you have to be. And the white glove experience really is amazing. Speaking of books, I've got a, I'm going to have a recommendation for you. I forgot the name of the book, but I had a guy on my other show Uh, His name is Chris Voss, and he used to be the FBI's lead hostage negotiator. And um, I got to get the book, but his whole premise is actually to start with no, because if you can get no out of the way, it's all yeses from there on. So it kind of goes against the grain of how everybody else has been taught negotiations, because everybody's always taught little yeses, little yeses, little yeses. And he's like, nope, let's go with it. Let's lead with the no. So for example, if you ever call somebody, and uh, you ask them, the first question you ask them is, you know, is now not a good time for you to speak? And they're going to say, oh, no, 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 I can speak. You got that no out of the way. And, <laughs> and then you can move forward. It's really interesting because people's default is to automatically answer no. It, it, it blows my mind. I, I actually, there was someone that was referred to me actually for this show 
And I don't want to say her name, but she got a very, very prominent role. And I'd reach out to her. I said, oh, you know, such and such said that uh, you're fantastic and that you'd be great for my show. And she's like, nope, just like that. And I responded back. I said, oh, wow, okay. That's an interesting, just, it was a no with an exclamation point. I said, if you don't mind me asking, was there a reason? And she says, well, I don't know what a podcast is. I just don't know what a podcast is. But my point is, her immediate reaction was no. (laughs) So I should have had you on her. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Tracy, if you don't mind, give the audience an overview. Who are you? What's your background? What are you doing? And once we kind of cover that, I want to get into some meat and potatoes of what's made you so successful. So I am the Senior Director of Total Rewards for WMC Health Network, a large network of hospitals in the Hudson Valley in New York. So I oversee um, total rewards, medical, dental, vision, retirement, wellness in that space. I've been in this role for about five months. And before that, I was in the legal space for about eight years and a director of network contracts there. And it has been a rewarding experience in this organization. I have had the same supervisor, same boss for the entire time. And it has been an amazing journey with him. That's great. What's been so amazing about this journey? So I will say that it's more of a mentor-mentee relationship, if you will. He really is like my home team. You think of a mentor, you think, oh, that person you're going to go do for. Everyone thinks of it a little bit differently. But for me, the mentor-mentee relationship is he's my home team. So if I I have something going on, he's the mentor that I'm going to go to for advice, for help, or just to kick something and kick the tires with. Yeah. But he's not the guy that I'm going to saying, hey, listen, can you help me bail me out of this problem? That's not the relationship we have. Hmm. How did this relationship develop? So when I was working in the legal space, he was an attorney in the department. And we started out in that regard. And from the beginning on my first day or my first week, when he started giving me work to do, it was, this is what we do. This is how we do it. But let me explain to you why we're doing it. And at that moment, I thought, oh, this is my people. <laughs> <laughs> and, and have you become a mentor to anybody else that works for you? Yes. So I hired somebody probably about two years ago into legal. And since then, I, when I moved to HR, probably about uh, a year ago, I brought her in to HR. So I hired her in legal and then I moved her over to HR when I moved over to HR. Right. And how is making that transition? So that, I mean, you're in totally different fields. It was a little bit of a change, but when I first came to HR, I was in an operational role. So I was doing HR operations projects, dealing a lot with internal individuals and different departments and kind of making projects run smoothly and dealing with new innovative ideas and getting them up to speed and getting them pushed out. And Mm -hmm. it was amazing. Gotcha. So what is your area of expertise? So it's kind of funny. I would like to think it is, it's the retirement sector of the total rewards, but I really think that now, especially wellness kind of is now it's a new and up and coming topic, Mm -hmm. wellness, retirement, and really changing the landscape of what total rewards, what benefits used to be. And now moving that into a total reward space because everyone thinks benefits and they go, okay, my benefits. Great. But when they see total rewards, they go, oh, total rewards. So, so tell me about that transition. Tell me what benefits was and how does wellness fall under that umbrella and how do you or how does uh, Westchester Medical do total rewards? 
So before the benefits department, the benefits office within human resources, and it was just your medical, dental, vision, retirement plans. And it was, you know, just your plans working for you, but it wasn't so much as people knew what you had, right? You, you know, the SPDs were out there, the summary descriptions were out there and we were doing a good job of that. Mm -hmm. But when I came into the role, I thought, how can I make a splash, right? How can I make everyone understand we have the best benefits around because we really do. And how do I get everyone to understand what we have? Because I don't know if everyone really understands from an SPD that's 30 pages deep what we really have. So what is SPD? A summary plan document. Gotcha. Okay. Pardon my so, ignorance. No, no. So I, what I wanted to do is create a website that's kind of a one-stop shop that makes everyone understand how to find a doctor, how to find a doctor in your network, how to find a home host doctor, which is our doctors in our network, in our WMC health network. And then how to get your medical, dental, vision all in one spot, how to log in all in one place, how to provide wellness resources all in one place, how to find your discounts all in one place, and then how to find your retirement information all in one place. So you're going to one website and you're getting everything all at your mm. fingertips. So is that not the norm, having everything aggregated like that? So normally companies have it on like an intranet and they have it like through a flip book and you have to go through a flip book and find everything like very detailed one by one by one. So I'm probably not the only person that developed a microsite, but I, I've developed an umbrella site that holds everything together. And I might be one of the hundred people that developed a, an umbrella site that has a home host lookup tool, because I don't know that how many people have developed the home host lookup tool that has it hosts everybody on their one umbrella gotcha so and then are there a lot of members that are in in your program yes we have over twelve thousand employees in our in our network oh geez so so that means if you've got twelve thousand employees how many i forgot what how it's ranked but there's more obviously there's going to be more than twelve thousand people that are on the plan correct no. So we have less than that on our plans, but because it's different, broken up by each individual hospital, everyone gets a little bit of a different situation. Mm -hmm. And that's just based on unions and things like that. Gotcha. So by you having this amount of people that are on the plan, though, I mean, by creating this one-stop shop where you've aggregated everything, that should hopefully slow down the amount of inquiries that you're getting because you're pointing them to one place that makes it a lot easier. Is that accurate? Yes, but, but it wasn't to stop the inquiries. It was to help everyone see what we have and how great it is. Mm. And so they take advantage of all the other benefits that they might not necessarily knew, even knew that they had. Correct. Ah, okay, cool. And then wellness. You talked about wellness. That is a, you know, we're, I'm seeing a really big trend in the push for wellness. Is that something that you've been pushing yourself? And if so, any particular area of wellness? So, Right now, wellness is huge. And even before COVID, it, it was huge. So financial wellness and physical wellness and mental wellness is at the forefront. And it is every company is trying more and more in our sector and in, the, in you know, the benefits space, total reward space to really bring up wellness. So what I've been trying to do is run a financial wellness campaign that I'm trying to get off of the ground, just educating and through the retirement sector, the retirement record keeper that I have, running virtual education right now during COVID, but I've always had education on site at every location as much as I can so that our individual employees can speak to 
an empower, a record keeper, one-on-one to talk about their retirement account as best as they can. They can also call up at any time of the day and get this retirement education advice, but making sure that everyone really understands what they're doing and what that impact will make on their retirement beat in the future. Mm, Interesting. So I didn't realize, and how big of a difference, you know, let's call it a hundred percent. How much is uh, financial wellness versus the mental or physical wellness? So right now, mental wellness is very, very big. I would say the mental wellness is probably at 80%. The financial wellness is, again, it's probably about 10%, but the physical wellness is probably another 10. It's changing right now because of where we are with the current state, but they should be equal. What's the best skill set that you've acquired that has kind of led to this early success that you've experienced? So I really think it's, developing good relationships with the vendors that I have. I think if I didn't have the good relationships with my vendors, I would not have been able to be successful in the five months that I've been in this role. Is that something that you've always been good at in terms of building the relationships? Or is this a result of, you know, your mentor said, hey, Tracy, if you really want to move the needle, you're going to have to leverage the resources and uh, of other people. So what's interesting is that I've always watched him have good relationships with our vendors since day one, since I started in the corporation. So I, I've always kind of watched that happen. And I realized that ah, that's a good tool. And I don't know if it was me picking it up or me seeing it or just having a relationship with people is a good idea. So we developed good relationships. And again, the good relationships that I have, I would not be successful without them. I have a great relationship with my retirement consultant. I have a great relationship with my retirement record keeper, my actuary consultant that acts as my consultant for my medical plans. I would not be able to be where I am in this success in this role without them. That's awesome. What a nice endorsement. And how did you go about developing these relationships? Did you take a proactive approach and say, hey, let's sit down, let's get to know each other so we can get on the same page or did this happen over time? I think that what you're touching on is extremely important. And uh, as I was telling you before, we went live. I know some other people that are highly successful that have, you know, they said they just, there's just no way they would have been able to achieve the levels of success without having the similar relationship. So for someone that's listening, I'm sure their ear has been peaked and uh, would love to learn what you're doing to have the success with these relationships. So I think it happened organically for me. I think when we got introduced, I think it was, a, you know, we're on a lot of calls. We have meetings in person every once in a while. But I think the more you get used to somebody and the more you're able to trust somebody and trust their work ethic, I think that becomes more of a trust factor as you're working with them more and more down the line. I think that the one thing that does help me is I'm able to laugh. And I think every conversation we have, regardless, before we start anything is, how are you doing? And then we get into a laugh about anything. Mm -hmm. And I think I have a good sense of humor and I think all of my vendors, we have a great relationship and we, we always get a good laugh. So what was the last thing that made you laugh? Anything you can think of? So so I was late for a conference call with my retirement consultant and another team member of mine said, Oh, Tracy will be on in just a minute. And when I jumped on, he said, Oh, somebody had to announce you, huh? (laughs) No, again, (laughs) that's good. Keeping it light. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, What do you see as kind of like the future of total rewards or specifically wellness? What kind of trends? And is it because of Corona or prior to Corona was something leading to this? 
So I think it's really the same. I think even prior to Corona, it would have been wellness. And I think right now in Total Rewards, it's still going to drive wellness. I think overall, we all want to be healthier because if you're healthier, your claims are down and your plans. Mm -hmm. So we've always been driving wellness to the better part of it anyway. I think that you're healthier, your employees are healthier, they feel better, they want to do a better job, it all comes back into the plan. You're not going to the doctor as much, or you're being proactive about going to the doctor, you don't have high cost claims, which then in turn makes the plan not as expensive. Yeah. Any particular, or I should say, have you experienced any piece of the wellness that can correlate to lower claims? whether it's the physical people getting to the gym, whether it's people meditating, any part of that that you're seeing that you have enough data or are the vendors trying to encourage you to incorporate a certain area of wellness? So we haven't really gotten that deep in anything particularly yet. I am looking at claims from the last 12 months with my actuary and kind of digging deep into a lot of things that are surrounding individuals that are on their feet for 12 hours a day and understanding why is that? Why is, you know, musculoskeletal claims are up because individuals are on their feet for too long. So what can we do in the wellness space that can accommodate those individuals? So what could you do? What is a possible, or I guess, what could you incorporate? I mean, so, what are the examples are giving you? So they haven't given me examples, so it's up to me to kind of get creative with it. And we were thinking, you know, a walking campaign, another thing to kind of get the body active and moving, not just stagnant on your feet, like standard up and down or standard sitting. So a walking campaign is kind of one of the items that we were thinking about moving forward with a Fitbit and remaining active in all aspects of it, not just standard up and down. Hmm. That's interesting. It reminds me, I've, I've got a friend, she's a CHRO, and what they did is they started doing uh, cornhole competitions. And it's not overly, anyone can do it. You don't have to necessarily be an, an athlete. And it's funny, they even rotate, they're kind of on a campus, and they rotate where they even just host the cornhole. Just even that little amount of extra walking from one side of the campus to the other can make a big difference for some of the people that work in the, their company because they're very, uh, a lot of the people that work there are very sedentary. They're just constantly sitting at a desk. So I thought that was really interesting. That is interesting. Yeah. <laughs> What's the best piece of advice someone's ever given you? The best piece of advice is there is never an HR emergency. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Expand on that. So a lot of the time I want to do everything and I want to do everything perfectly and I want to do everything right now. So my boss is also tells me it's never an emergency. So I'm always like, I got to do this and I got to do it right now. You know, he says, okay, calm down. There's never an emergency. Let's make a plan. Your hair's not on fire. <laughs> and have there been ever any scenarios that you can point to? where that has played itself out well instead of making any rash decisions? So I can't come up with a specific instance, but I will say that overall, every time if I take a step back, I've realized that it's never a good thing to make a decision with a gun to your head. I've never made a decision in my professional career with a gun to my head, and I've realized each and every time when I took a step back and waited a little bit and kind of ruminated it over it, I've always made a better decision not with the shotgun. 
Yeah, there is a um, – so I'm a baseball fan. There's a, a very famous coach. His name's Tony La Russa, and he wrote this awesome book. I forgot. Again, I'm forgetting the names of these books. But uh, the best advice that was ever given to him that he shared was anytime that he was angry or just had to make a big decision, he purposely ruminated on it for 24 hours. And uh, as soon as he implemented that into his repertoire of things of life, he said it really made a dramatic change in the outcomes he had, as well as the relationships with people, just by just you know sitting on that and not making a decision immediately. So I think that's good advice. That's great. Yeah. So before I let you go, is there any, you got any predictions on the future of HR? I wish I did. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. Well, I got to tell you, Tracy, I really appreciate you carving out the time. This has been a lot of fun. Love your energy. I really appreciate your perspective too on those relationships, the things that you've done, the success that you've had, as well as just the importance of a mentor and building that relationship, not just with your vendor, but obviously with your mentor too. So uh, many thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. You got it. Make it a great day. Many thanks for listening to Who's Who in HR. If you're looking to connect with more top-level HR professionals, be sure to log on to NetworkWise.com to find out how you could be part of an HR mastermind group. Also, subscribe to our newsletter to stay up to date on everything happening with NetworkWise. In the interim, make it a great day and remember to always NetworkWise.